0: Take your Bibles, if you will, please, and turn with me to the New Testament book of 1 John. In the New Testament, there are four books named John, and I'm John. It's going to work out for me. I'll find it. The first John you come to is a gospel. The next set of Johns you come to are numbered 1, 2, and 3. They're toward the book of Revelation. If you get to the book of the Revelation, turn left, and then you'll find it, okay? First John, and I want you to go to chapter 3. I am grateful to be here. It's good to be with my friend, Brother Thompson, and I am grateful for his ministry. I told him yesterday how proud I am of the work that he is doing here for the cause of Christ. Yesterday, I got to fellowship with you, Baptist code word for eat, but I enjoyed your spirit even more than your food. I just felt like I was at home that you're my people, that I, I felt that you loved God. And truthfully, the way you fellowshiped with each other and you made all of us feel welcome, it's like I knew you chose God like I chose God. And because of my choice to worship God and your choice to worship God, we found fellowship. And that is special, that you can go all the way across the country and find your people. Com- the, church- the community for which I always seek is God's people, church, the church crowd. Why? Because God's people—they're the best people. So I've talked for about 90 seconds. If you haven't found First John now, fake it. Just open anywhere. No one will judge you at all. All right. First John chapter number three. First John three is a beautiful picture of what love does. In our lives, we're nothing without God's love. We're, in fact, even in your own life, if you've discovered love in a human relationship with your spouse, and it's like you realize love makes you do dumb stuff right? I mean, you want her attention, so what are you going to do? Well, I'm going to do this. I'll drive across the country just to deliver her a rose, and then she'll know I love her. Or you do other things, and you, you just say, that was crazy. Why did we do that? Well, it's, we do that in the name of love. When you look at God's love and what he did for us, we get a great description in verse 1. Watch what it says. Behold, this is both a command to stop and look at, and it's also something worthy of our attention. So the Bible reads, Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. You say, what does that mean, what manner of love? Well, just think about it, God, who spoke the world into existence, made mankind, Mankind messed up, and God still made provision for man to be adopted into, for his, for, into his forever family. That's powerful. You say, why would he do that? That's what John was writing about. Behold, stop, look at it. It's a command. Take notice of. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us. Watch now. It says that we should be called the sons of God. That's what he did when Christ demonstrated his love to us, he made us in his family. He said, well, I'm a girl, not a guy. The sons of God, take it as children. He adopted us. What an amazing thing. He said, well, how do I get adopted? How do I get into this forever family? It's always been the same all the way from the very beginning. It's my faith in Christ of what he did for me that allows me to believe on him, and then I get adopted, I get redeemed. That is, he paid the price to release me from bondage. I get justified. He declares me legally righteous. I'm put into his family. You say, why would he do that? Love. When you're loved like that, love makes you do stuff too. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we... We should be called the sons of God. Therefore, the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. Verse 2, beloved, what a great term. I'm in the family. Beloved, now are we the sons of God, and it doth not yet appear what we shall be. But we know that when he shall appear, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. What a great thought. The fact is, is that he loves me. He's coming for me, and I will be like him. That's powerful. And that's what love does. The Bible says in verse 3, Every man that hath this hope in him. Love does produce hope, doesn't it? It builds a confidence in us to say, this isn't it. The best is yet to come for the believer. The best is yet to be. What we have here is wonderful. Yes, it seems like it's decaying, but it's all part of the plan. But one day, he's coming for me. And because I believed in him, not because I'm a preacher, not because I'm a missionary, just because I believed in him, he put me in his family. And when he did that, he's coming back for me. And he's given me a home. You say, that sounds like the best deal ever. It is. It is the best deal ever. You'll never be loved more than what God has for you. He loves you more than anyone else. You say, well, what about these places overseas and, well, and around the corner in Irvine? But what about these places overseas overseas? that these missionaries are going. They, those missionaries must love those people. And in part, that's true. But why do missionaries go? Because they love God. People will always disappoint you. If, if, if anyone in ministry goes to... Uh, where, where's Mozambique sitting? Just raise your hand because they left. <laughs> they couldn't take preaching, so they left. Kim's, Irvine, God's called you to go there. And if you go to Irvine because you love the people, about 10 minutes into Friday afternoon traffic, you're not going to love people. (laughs) You're going to have lots of thoughts about people, but none of them are love. But if you go to Irvine because you love God, then that love for God will never change. It can't change. Look what he did for you. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath bestowed upon us that we should be called the sons of God. And now he's sending you to Irvine. Why? Because they need the gospel there. Why would you go? Because you love him. You say, well, is that what it takes really to be involved in missions? If you're going to do anything, you better understand how much God loves you. And because he loves you, the manner of love, this great, amazing concept that he would take dirty, rotten, filthy sinners and say to them, yes, 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 all of that's true, but I love them. And then we get that love. What does that make us want to do? I want you to go further because I'm reading these verses to you and you're not listening fast enough. So I'm going to skip ahead a few verses, all right, so we can make sure I got to get to the point that I'd, I'd like to share with you to this morning. But 1 John chapter 3, behold what manner of love the Father has given unto us that we should be called the sons of God. Therefore the world knoweth us not because it knew him not. There's a difference between us and the world, those who've accepted Christ and not. Verse 3, every man that hath this hope in him purify himself even as he is pure. The hope of who Christ is and his coming changes me on the inside. That word purify, wow, what an idea. That idea is to say, if God loves me that much, I want to please him. My wife Kim and I have been married for 37 years, and and in those 37 years that we've been married, she's made me a better man. Why? Because she loves me. And because she loves me, I want to do the stuff that pleases her. And this is what it is in the the divine sense that God loves us so much. It ought to change us. Verse 3, purifieth himself with that hope that to say, he loves me. He's coming for me. He is my Savior. So as we continue on, I want you to jump down to verse 3. 13, keeping in mind the distinction or the difference between the world and us. Marvel not, my brethren, verse 13, marvel not, don't be surprised, marvel not if the world hates you. If we spend all of our time trying to get the world to love us, you don't understand the real problem. The world is going to hate us. All we do is present Christ. All we do is show the world the love of Christ. That's what we do. You say, well, we want them to like us. They're, they're not going to like us until they convert. They're not going to be pleased with us and everything. Why? Because your light reminds them of their darkness. Your love reminds them of their hatred. And so what we have to do is say, what's my motive here? What's my why? Why would I demonstrate the love of Christ? Because he loved me note further in verse verse 14 we know that we have passed from death unto life because we love the brethren you say is that really true well it's in the bible I'd say it's pretty true you say well there's a lot of people in this world I don't like join the join the list yeah there's a lot of people you're not going to like but you're required to love everybody You say, but if you knew this person, yes, there are some people in this world that when you go to love them or hug them, it's like hugging a porcupine. You are going to get stuck no matter what you do. Why? Because there are people just like that. But our job is not to evaluate what's wrong with them, our job is to take the love of Christ that He gave to us and show it to other people. Don't be surprised. If the world hates you, furthermore, the distinction, the way that I can know, the way that you can know somebody has passed from team darkness to team light, death unto life, the way we know that is by the way they love one another. Could we have another standard? No, because one, this one is really simple and it's really hard because there are people who are hard to love. But our job is to love everybody. Keep going cuz I haven't even got to big point number 1 and I have 17 big points. But I looked in the back of your notebooks. You guys have a full page for Sunday morning and I felt obligated to give you enough stuff to fill up that page. We don't want to waste paper. Keep going, verse 15. Whosoever hateth his brother is a murderer. You know that no murderer hath eternal life abiding in him. Wow. I grew up, I have five brothers and sisters. Let's say there were a few days that they were a challenge for me and this verse, right? Because like, I just want to strangle them. If you grew up with siblings, you get that. But he's saying that the distinction is we can't hate. We have to love. Love influences our lives. My, I was... Called into missions early. I went to the mission field when I was 20. I was unmarried. My wife and I were engaged, but it would be six more months before we married. And I tell you, phone calls were like $5 a minute. So we didn't do the phone call. We did letter writing. And boy, when she would send a letter, there were lipstick prints all over it, perfume on the letter. And you'd get, ah! It, like, oh, and you know, it's like 10 minutes of just smelling the letter. And you just anticipated, it and you looked at it and you say, this is a letter from her. This is her demonstrating her love for me. When I say to you. The marker of love is not the letters that we send, nor the fragrance of our life, but rather it is that we love the people around us. You say, that's hard. I know. But it's what God wants. He loves me, and he expects me to love. That love ought to have some sort of influence in my life. Verse 16 Hereby perceive, that is such a great word, perceive. It's that idea of saying, ah, I get it now. So, hereby perceive we the love of God. How do we hit, hit that moment of saying, ah, I get his love? Remember, we started in verse 1. Behold, what manner of love the Father hath given unto us. And now we get to 16, and he says, this is your aha moment about the love of God that his love for me should influence me so greatly that it should change me. Notice what it says. Hereby perceive we the love of God because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down our lives for the brethren. So, Well, that sounds like it's going to hurt. That sounds like death. But what if, what if you understood this idea of laying down your life as having a loving influence, a loving willingness, that, that if you think about a mom who has a baby and the baby cries in the night and the husband's job is to wake the wife up to tell her the baby's crying? <laughs> but what if you understood the real moment of the mom doesn't need to be awoken by the husband? The mom heard the baby's cry. And mom pulls out her time card and says, I've already put 40 in with this kid this week. I'm not going. No mom does that. What do moms do? They crawl out of bed. They go find the baby. And they anticipate what the baby's needs are. And we call that a loving willingness What God is looking to have in us is the exact same thing that His loving willingness took Him to the cross. My sin sent Him there to the cross, but His love took Him there. And that loving willingness that was in Him to go to the cross for me must be the loving willingness that I must have for the world around me. Hereby perceive we the love of God. What does it say? Verse 16. Because he laid down his life for us and we ought to lay down. So his loving willingness ought to be seen in me. So my question this morning, before I get started preaching, this is just introduction. My question is, does God see a loving willingness in you when it comes to the world that doesn't know him. See, are you saying that that phrase lay down his life and loving willingness have to do with my response to those who only know hatred? Yes. What should God's love do in me? If you're writing things down in that really expansive section of your notes, I'll give you five things to think about of what love ought to do in us. We'll start in 16, look at 17 and 18 as well. But let me give them to you one by one. As, now, anybody else could look at this and say, oh, well, I see these other things. I, I'm just a preacher. I saw it the way I see it because of my life experiences. And maybe you'll look at this verse and see it in a different way. But the very first thing I want you to write down, if you're writing stuff down, is write this down. Love makes me give. What do you mean? Well, we know the love of God. (coughs) We know that this manner of love that he's given to us. But we know the love of God because of his loving willingness. He laid down his life. The Kims are saying We are going to lay down our lives for Irvine. Love makes us give. You say, Well, I thought you would talk about the offering. I'll get there, but I got to talk about your heart. When there's a divine set of fingerprints on your life, you change. I remember talking to my father about how how to know which girl to marry. And he said, John, we've known which girl you're going to marry long before this moment. And I said, well, how could you know? My dad said, we stopped hearing other girls' names. And all we ever hear now about is Kim. We know it's her. I was like, okay, I didn't notice it. But when you're in love, you end up talking about the person you love. Calvary rewired your heart. It changed because he demonstrated his love. So the first thing is, we look at the cross and we say, I want to give like that. You say, well, Brother O'Malley, that was death. But if we are not willing to lay down our lives for the brethren, how are we reflecting the love of Christ? Number one, love makes me give. Like my Savior. Number two, you see how quick this is going to go now? Hopefully. The second thing I want you to write down is love makes me see. Notice if you would please in verse 17. But whoso hath this world's good and seeth his brother have need and shutteth up his bowels of compassion from him, How dwelleth the love of God in him? Wow. So number one, love makes me give, and that's true. But love also makes me see. You say, well, go back to that part. He has this world's good. We have it. We live in a great country. We have resources at our disposal that our forefathers would have never dreamt of having that much. We are the land of opportunity. Many people leave their homeland just to come here, to struggle, to make it just for the sheer opportunity that our country provides. This is a great place. We have this world's good. But this is what I need you to have the opportunity to understand. It's not just the fact that love makes me give like Christ gave at Calvary, but love makes me see you, your county, Orange County, You could go to six homes, you could go to ten homes in this county. And of those ten homes, only four of them will claim to be religious. You say, are you saying six homes out of ten in our county will have no religious affiliation? Yes, it's exactly what I'm saying. But you have to see them. They're not just little irritators for you in traffic. They're not just pesky people that are clogging up your streets. These are not people that are just saying, well, they're just ruining our whole area. No, love makes you see them. When you realize you can't bring the gospel to the wrong address in this county, you can't. Six in ten will claim no religious affiliation. That's significant. You are the field. You are the missionaries. You say, well, I thought you're supposed to be talking to us about foreign lands. You'll never get the foreign land missionary unless you get the homeland missionary straight in your mind. You are to be doing what we're asking other missionaries to do. What should love do? Number one, love should make me give, but love should make me see and understand that in this place where we live, that we call home, Love ought to make me see my neighbors. It's easy to complain. But the truth is, if love is driving your mission's heart, love will make you give, love will make you see. Number three, love will make you, love makes me decide. What does it make me decide? Notice the verse, but whoso hath this world's good seeth his brother have need. Here's the decision that you're making. You're shutting up the bowels of compassion. You say, that's kind of an awkward wording there. But, and because we don't really say, I love you with all my guts. <laughs> it's not what we say. It kind of makes Valentine's Day really weird. But we say, I love you with all of my heart. So then when I see my brother in need, I have a decision to make. Am I going to help or not? But if the divine love or force or influence is at work in my life, then love will make me give, see, and decide. Shutting up your bowels of compassion, refusing to give, is a decision. And giving is also a decision. What should help you? love whose love God's love that there ought to be a loving willingness to give to see to decide number four love makes me check my heart so what does it mean to check your heart to kind of do an inventory what do I have to check my heart about notice what the verse says how dwelleth the love of God in him You got to check your heart because if you can see this world's need and you shut up your bowels of compassion, how on earth are you claiming to have the love of God? Oh, testimony time. I just love God and everybody. I love our church. I love our school. I love our pastor. And then you walk out and never do anything in demonstration of your love. The question John asked was, how, how dwelleth the love of God in you? You got a better talk game than you do anything else. Love makes me give. Love makes me see. Love makes me decide. Love makes me check my heart. The question is, does the love of God dwell in you? If it does, it'll show up. And lastly, and I only say that to build anticipation, It's a concept. The last point I want to share with you is this. Love makes me take action. Notice what it says in verse 18. My little children. It's kind of like the same phrase he used in verse 2, beloved. My little children. Let us not love in word, neither in tongue, but in deed and in truth. You know what? Love makes me take action. I just can't talk love. I gotta show up and do something. If Kim and I have been married these years, if if my words were the only expression of love, at a certain point she'd look at me and say, "Well, okay, but you don't come home. You don't do this. You don't do that. What's happening here? You all you say you love." This is about the same as coming to church. Ah, oh, I love the singing. I love the songs. I love the music. I love the specials. I, I, I love everything. And then you walk out. Boy, I hope they got good music next week. Because I love the music, and I love the preaching, and I love this. Love has to make you take action. It's not just words. Are you all married, or did you, you, yeah? yeah? I don't know why I guessed that, but I just kind of went with it. We met yesterday, but I, I've neglected your name. You were in the first meeting that we had. What's your name? Kevin and Janice. How long you all been married? 32. That's exciting, isn't it? 32. (laughs) Stop. I'm union. I get a break right now. (laughs) 32 years. If all he said that he loved you but never showed up and did anything, would it be convincing? No. No. At a certain point, He's got to take action. Buy the flowers. Pick up your socks. Do the, yeah, to, go ahead, take notes. That's good. It'll look better if it's in the church notebook, but anyhow. But do the stuff. How long have you been in this church? 32 years. Good. Do, come back next Sunday. It looks really bad on me if you don't. 32 years. If you've been here that long, there ought to be stuff you're doing. You ought to be able to take me somewhere in the campus of this church and say, this is where I show the love of Christ. Maybe it's on a bus. Maybe it's in a classroom. Maybe it's in the parking lot. But there's somewhere where I demonstrate God's love here. Love makes you take action. Would you stand with me? Look this way. Do you realize that this stewardship commitment card, the missions commitment card that you got today, is the intersection of all five points? Love makes me give. Love makes me see. Love makes me decide. Love makes me check my heart. And love makes me take action. It's you on a card. It's really cool that it worked out that it was red and love and all of that. But this is, this is how we do it here. Oh, I love those missionaries. Love makes you see. Love makes you give. Love makes you decide. Love makes you check your heart. Love makes you take action. Thank you for listening to Messages from Liberty.